Welcome to the John Chapman Show, where we talk about the path of a wealthy millennial, uncovering the truth about building and protecting your nest egg. Join us on this journey as we hear the stories of millennials and mentors alike to help you plan, manage, and protect your wealth. John is an employee of Worth Point LLC. All opinions expressed by John and podcast guests are solely their own opinion and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Worth Point. This podcast should not be relied upon for investment decisions and is for informational purposes only. Hey everyone, John Chapman. Today on the podcast, we interviewed my friend Dan Hines, who runs a business called Adulting with Money, where he serves as a financial coach. Specifically, Dan helps newlyweds tackle money conversations so that they're aligned with their values, goals, and action plans. And no doubt, topics around money in a household can sometimes be challenging. And I imagine many of us have experienced times where we've either fought with our spouse or maybe even avoided the money conversation altogether. So whether you have uh, have you aren't married at all, but you're in an existing dating relationship, or you've been married for 10 or 20 years, there's a ton of helpful information that Dan shares with us today to, be, to, to learn how to be on the same page with your partner or spouse on topics of money. So without further ado, let's bring in my friend, Dan Hines. Hey, Dan Hines, thanks for joining us today on the podcast. How are you? I'm good, John. How are you today? I'm doing great, thanks. I'm excited to have you here and share with our listeners about the business that you run. It's a financial coaching business, which serves a really specific purpose, and that is helping uh, people adult with money. And you've got a great name there for your business, Adult well, thank you. With money. <laughs> uh, this is so cool. So um, I specifically liked your book, uh, your, your ebook here, How to Talk About Money with Your Spouse. So I want to dive into that because it's going to be so relevant for many of our listeners. But sure. can you, Dan, just give us a little bit of backdrop here about uh, where you grew up and what was money like in your house? growing up. Sure. Yeah. So uh, I come from the great state of Iowa uh, and I, I live in Florida now, but my, and my wife became uh, a dolphin and sea lion trainer. So that's why we moved from, from Iowa here to Florida. And so um, I graduated college with an electrical engineering degree, but then I got my MBA and I just fell in love with finance. I took as many finance and management classes as I could. Now, the problem with that MBA is I skipped as many advertising and marketing classes as I could. So uh -oh. now as an entrepreneur, uh, that was a bad idea, <laughs> but <laughs> I'm learning, I'm, I'm growing as I go. But as soon as I got done with college and, and we moved here to Florida, I was a financial advisor with Edward Jones. And um, I did that for about two years. And I got to a point where I was, I was talking to all the advisors that have been in the business for 5, 10, 15, 20 years. And I didn't right. quite find anyone that I wanted to be like. So it, it was a signal to me I wasn't quite in the right industry. But I still love helping people make money decisions. It's just something that so, comes so easily to me. And I'm like, hey, I bet people would still want to pay me to help them <laughs> with yeah. these money decisions because I'm a nerd about it. I want to talk about it, study it, read it, play around with it. And so being that it's it's a world I want to play with, play in and I'm entrepreneurial and I want to help other couples like me and my wife because we don't have kids yet. And so there's a lot of life that we we haven't lived yet. But even in that newlywed coming together, merging money stage, there's a lot of what ifs and there's a lot of hurdles to get over. And I just, I just love helping people with that. 
Yeah, that's so cool. You know, the traditional financial advisor role has a, a, a fairly set out uh, blueprint or there's a ladder to climb, just like there are in so many other industries. But being a money coach, I'm saying that in air quotes, there's less of a blueprint for that. So how did, that, how did you even envision a career or carving out a business for yourself as an entrepreneur within that very niche space? That's a good question. I mean, I, you know, as I was leaving Edward Jones, I wasn't really sure exactly what I wanted to do. Uh, and so with that, you know, I, I, I view financial advisors and financial planners as like the doctors. They are definitely necessary and the money you pay them is, is well spent. And so for me, I'm more like a personal trainer where I'm going to definitely be able to help you. And it's on more of the, the ground level type of things with money where you might be a little bit uh, embarrassed uh, to even ask this of a financial advisor. Some of these questions like how do I budget? Like how does a credit score actually help me? Um, how do I raise my credit score and things like that? But when it comes comes to going back to your question of the blueprint about how to do it, I'm just kind of figuring it out. I mean, it's, uh, I, I saw that, you know, I think at the time, Dave Ramsey had a financial counseling coaching program. And so he had people uh, and I started poking around online. And I saw other people that were financial coaches and were doing this thing. And I said, oh, well, that's great news. It's, it's that this is a thing that people do and I'd like to do it as well. <laughs> so that, that was the signal to say, yes, this is something I can do. Now, now how do I go about doing it? And that's where the, the entrepreneurial and the MBA skills start to come in, into play. That's important. And I want to get a little bit more into what your business does look like so we can share with the listeners about that. And then later talk more about actually applying what you know and how you coach people and, and helping sure. them have money conversations because it can be such a grenade or a hot topic. But uh, even before that, my, my sense is that uh, as you as an entrepreneur, you've actually experienced and lived many of the things that you're trying to help other people. And oh, I come absolutely. back to this, uh, I think it's an old either Forbes article or Harvard Business Review, but this idea of entrepreneurs being either a mercenary, meaning hired help, or a missionary, somebody that's really called <laughs> to, to lead whatever. That sounds that about right. Yeah. And so, so like, just tell me a little bit more about what's the missionary side of all of this, if I may kind of cut behind the, 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 uh, the curtains here on your personal life, either is this something that impacted you before you were married or early on in your marriage? How, how did you become a missionary on this subject? Sure. Well, I mean, the story that I have in my guide, and, and so I have this 20,000 word guide that helps couples and especially newlyweds get on the same page with money. So we'll, we'll talk about the link later. But in the guide, I tell the same story, which is we, my wife and I were newlyweds, and I, we had an apartment, as most young couples do, and I was sitting on the couch watching TV or something. And my wife comes in uh, with these giant bags from Target. Now, I'm pretty sure there were pillows in the bags. That's why they were so large. Yeah. But of course, like <laughs> sitting on the couch, I could see her walk in the door. And my first thought was, what the F did she buy this time? Oh, now, boy. yeah, exactly. But then I had the second thought. I'm like, I want this marriage to last for 60 plus years. I need to not have that thought again. It, it was a moment of realization to say, okay, that's it's a thought that I had, but I never want to have that thought again. So how do I... Faster. What do we do? How do how do I stop that from from happening? And so that's where I really, I mean, I was already uh, with Edward Jones, and I was in the, the the retirement world and things of that nature, but I hadn't really dove into like how do we merge our money? How do we budget together? And, and there's another story in there about uh, us budgeting and toothpaste, and I can I can come back to that. But it's just like there's these little things where 
if you haven't been through it once, you're really kind of lost. I, I like yeah. to compare it to uh, changing the oil in your car. Like once you do it once, you can do it, you know, for the for the rest of your life. But that first time you're like, okay, what, how much oil do I need? And <clears throat> what kind of oil do I need? And what do I need to unscrew? And do I need a pan under the car? And that's where YouTube comes in really handy. <laughs> exactly. But, and so it, you, you almost feel stupid for, for not knowing this. Um, but that's pretty normal. We all have to go through that process at least once. And that's where I you know, want to help couples get through that process as quickly as possible so they can move on and, and get to vacation and, and having fun as a married couple. Yeah. And, and again, just out of curiosity, did you find you had you had an interesting thought, which uh, seems to be fairly wise or mature on your part. But I'm curious, was, was there a big blow up or at some point did you feel as if you had to you hit rock bottom, so to speak, on these money conversations before you felt like you could turn around and march in a different direction? Fortunately, my wife and I aren't very contentious people. It's, we're both the type of people like where if we're getting mad, we get quiet. <laughs> and so we never really have blow ups per se. But certainly it was me sitting on the couch thinking, okay, I just, th- nothing needs to happen or, or, or something needs to happen to, to never have this thought again. And so yeah. for me, I dove into it. So really what the hardest part was to then was I learned everything and became basically an expert and then trying to get my wife to be on board with it. That actually was the hardest part where okay. we, she kind of just had to trust me to say, okay, we're going to try some stuff. And so it was the conversations that we had along the way to say, oh, okay, well, she would ask me questions like, um, okay, so I'll, I'll tell the toothpaste story. Yeah. So, so what happened was, is we were starting to budget and I went, I, I really nerded out. Like I, we had a category for like makeup and toiletries and home supplies and cleaning supplies. And this and is just your like, engineering background. Shining yes. I went way overboard. And, but at one point she said, okay, well, if we, you know, we were trying to learn how to budget together. If we have, uh, you know, so much money in our toiletries budget and we use it and then we run out of toothpaste, does that mean we have to wait for the next month to come around to buy more toothpaste. And Great that, at, yeah, at that exact moment, I didn't have an answer. I had to go look into it. I said, that's, that's a really good question. And so, but now, you know, because I know that answer, I tell the couples to say, no, if you need toothpaste, just go buy toothpaste. And if you need to shift some money around in the budget, that's fine. Uh, and so I've really calmed down. Uh, on how detailed a budget needs to be and how that works. And really, it's boiled down to the fact that the only reason you want to budget is to just plan ahead and make sure money is going towards the goals that you want. Everything else just, it's like running around on a football field. Yeah, there are lines, but you can walk and run over them anytime you want. As long as you don't go out of bounds, that's really the main goal. Yeah, that's really good. It seems like this can be such a, you know, talking about the budget is really stirring up an emotional response for me. And I'm thinking <laughs> back of all of these occasions where my wife and I haven't quite agreed on things uh, sure. related. And just big picture too, in everything that you've learned and through your experience, um, how, is are there reasons in your mind why this can be such a challenging topic? It, it almost is so scary for me as a financial planner that uh, it's mm-hmm. hard to approach a subject for the clients that to work with, even in, in, I can't say that I've even mastered in the personal life. So talk mm-hmm. to me a little bit about what some of the roadblocks are in this, even from the get-go. Sure. So, so really the roadblocks come down to how we grow up with money. And, and, you know, you asked me that question before as well, and it's a good question to ask to see, okay, well, how did your family 
handle money when you were growing up? You know, how did that affect you? One great idea to talk with a young couple about is like an emergency fund. How much should be in the emergency fund? How much makes you comfortable? And there are some people where they're like, gosh, if I have $500 in there, I'm a happy camper. <laughs> you know, it's just like, whatever, Either, you know, right. I haven't run out of money. But then there are people to say, well, if we don't have six months saved up, uh, of, of our expenses in that emergency fund, I'm going to feel nervous. And so that's where you start to take these topics and you, you start to put numbers on them, but you just put the numbers on them so that you can start to have a conversation and, and start to figure out, okay, how do we want to do this? Because I think when it comes to money, we see it as numbers and numbers is math and math has right answers. And when it comes for me, in money, I see it more as strategic. It's more of a game where there is no right answer, but there is probably a good answer for you as a couple. We have, but we have to play around a little bit to find out exactly what that is. And so some people are very much more, you know, uh, free spending. They're a bit more flowy about money that they, or they just, they're just not a details person. And they almost really honestly don't care, <laughs> you know, as long as the bills are being paid, whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, but then there are others like myself that uh, are more detail oriented, uh, engineering mindset. I want a strategy. I want to have a plan. Uh, and so how do we bring those personalities together and come up with some way that this particular couple, whoever I'm working with, uh, can talk about money and make decisions and also afford the life that they really want to live? Yeah, I like that. Well, so let's move into talking just a little bit about how your business looks and uh, how you've uh, set it up today and the type of conversations you're helping people with. So how would you describe first the the ideal target for folks that you, you really like helping? And then what are some of the action steps that you're going to work through with them? Yeah. So uh, right now with adulting with money, I focus and target newlyweds and helping them get on the same page with money and stop the money fights before they start. Now I say newlyweds just to keep that sentence short, but I also mean engaged couples. I also mean couples that are maybe a couple years into marriage. You know, it's it's not 20 years down the road <laughs> for them. There, there are habits that maybe haven't formed quite yet that we can still uh, work around. And so when I work with couples, uh, my one-on-one -on -one coaching really is designed to be a three-month process, is that I can teach you everything as long as you do the homework and you do what I tell you. Uh, <laughs> you know, you can learn everything you need to learn in three months, and then it's just a process of practicing. So uh, for example, trying to ride a bike, it's going to take three or four times before you feel comfortable and confident to at least just like start to go down the road. But once you get down the road, it's like, okay, yeah. Yeah, dad, I got it. You can stop putting your hand on, on, on the, on the seat. <laughs> and so right. that's, that's what I'm trying to do as a coach is to give you confidence to, to teach you knowledge, uh, and to give you the skills that once we're done after that three months, then you're, you're good to go. And so that's the coaching. I am working on doing this as an online coach and trying to do some group coaching. And I just started a YouTube channel in the last two weeks. So, uh, you know, I'm trying to get myself out there as best I can. That, that's wonderful. So one of the things I'm thinking about is, uh, you know, starting in a, a relationship with a, a newlywed type couple. Have you had experiences where maybe one spouse versus the other is more on board uh, and the other may be dragging their feet? Talk to me a little bit about some of the personalities or, you know, at what point <laughs> in their despair are they coming in contact with you? Sure, sure. Well, I, I think fortunately, because I'm focusing on newlyweds, they haven't, they're still in that 
you know, that honeymoon phase where they're still a happy couple and they're, they've got the wedding and eventually they're going to have the thank you notes to deal with and, and things of that nature. And so, you know, there hasn't been a lot of despair. It's been more about, hey, we're a couple now and we want to save for a house or we want to have kids. We know retirement is a thing that we should talk about. Um, you know, we have these student loans. Now, how do we deal with this. <laughs> it's, a, it's like they've, they've gotten married and then they're looking at their money and they're like, okay, now what? And so they've probably already tried to talk about saving up for a house, but then maybe they talk themselves in circles. Um, like there was one couple where both of them used uh, the budgeting app Mint, but they were using them separately. So the bills were getting paid and things were getting done, but they weren't quite on the same page, literally or figuratively. Right. Um, I've also had couples where one one side is uh, of the couple is definitely like, yes, we're doing this. And the other side is a little bit more laid back. But that's where when I do my coaching, I want to do it as a video call. I want to be able to see your face and you see my face. And so that I can read your body language and, um, and, and interact with both sides of the couple because I'm not here to choose sides. I am here to find a solution for both of you, which means I have to talk to both of you quite a bit. Uh, and, and figure out what to do or or how to go. Yeah. Um, in fact, there was one couple where they told me straight up, they said, you know, basically when they're about to have a money fight, they write down what they're fighting about and just wait for the coaching call. And <laughs> they're like, okay, Dan will solve this for us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, which is great. Yeah. That's exactly what they're paying for. Um, yeah. And, yeah. and so, and so I've, I've helped stop a lot of money fights in that regard. Okay. That's as good. Well. Mm-hmm. You, you now you've got along with your free ebook that you have on your website that I want to make sure you share with people in, in just a little bit. You you also have another bonus ebook of the word for word script of starting your conversation. So I, I wanted you to be able to share a little bit about this, uh, just starting that conversation, because, again, both from personal experience and chatting with other financial planning clients, we're, we're talking about already you know, going through a coaching process, but maybe sometimes it's, t- it's hard to even start that from the mm-hmm. get-go. Sure. So uh, share with me a little bit about your insight into how to have, a, how, to, how to even begin with this conversation. Right. Well, and that's where my coaching is part personal finance and it's part uh, marriage counseling as well, because there's a, a, a famous doctor, Dr. Gottman, who has this, um, uh, he, he talks about the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And when he talks about the four horsemen, he's really talking about the four different ways that you can ruin a marriage. And, you know, him and other researchers through their studies, they can predict divorce with, if I remember right, 90% accuracy after Yikes. watching 15 minutes of a couple talking. Uh-oh. Yeah. And so they got really good at at figuring out, okay, who's going to break up within the next 15 years? I mean, it was a 15-year study. And so what they found out is that there are ways that you can just talk to each other that can spell doom. I mean, if, if, you, if you do nothing to fix it, and they didn't try to help anyone, they just watch them talk for an hour and then realize, okay, first 15 minutes, we've, we're doing pretty good at this. And so one of those are, are things like contempt where you don't really uh, trust or respect your partner. And so when we're talking about a word-for-word script, it's really to stop you from pointing fingers. It's to say, you always do that, and you always do this, and I never get this. And, and it's better, the, the, the best tip I can give you right now is if you're feeling bad about something, is to announce what happened and then how it made you feel. So when you overspend money, I feel this way. 
And so, you know, no one can argue against that because it's a fact like this, something happened. And then I feel that way. And no one can really argue with how, you, how you're feeling. And so to, to, to start that conversation is to say, when we aren't getting out of debt fast enough, I don't feel safe. Or, or, you know, however you want to start that conversation, that's what you want to do is to, to say a lot of I statements and how you feel, but then pair it with, you know, when something happens. Yeah. Um, so that way you're not pointing fingers to say, well, you're always going out drinking. And so then we're never getting out of debt. Like that's, that's going to ruin a marriage the fastest. Yeah. And so that's where this word for word script uh, comes into play. Well, uh, you you brought up some really important things, and I'm thinking back to my premarital counseling, and then yeah. coaching us through that conversation of I feel when when I see this happen, I feel this certain way, and even just framing it there, it takes some of the daggers out, and you, you're not pointing fingers as much, and you can now start to let some of the steam out of the conversation by simply saying I feel this way, and uh, hopefully then you get you know you get heard, and that mm-hmm. now yeah. I'm I'm moving. F- from that then, like the next logical thing I'm thinking about, Dan, is, okay, we've shared how we felt and we've talked about this, you know, that we're started the money conversation. Let's pretend a couple of, essentially both on board, even if it is a hot subject. Mm-hmm. It seems that the next big picture thing to focus on is finding common ground on values or common ground on goals. And that way there's some alignment, like we're looking in the both in the same direction here as a couple. So talk to me a little bit about some of the ways that you have conversations around values and goal setting and, and mm-hmm. what, what's an appropriate goal versus one that's a little airy fairy. Uh, that you've said a lot of great things and, and you're hitting the nails right on the heads um, is that yes, the next thing to do is to start talking about goals. And, and so in values along with that, as we're talking about goals, you're, it, I, we find that the values of the couple start to come out. And so I do an exercise and this is in the guide. And so the step-by-step instructions for this particular exercise you can download uh, is I have my couples go off on their own uh, for five minutes and set a timer and write down as many things as they can think of to do with money. Like I, I want a new car. I want to go on vacation. I want to get out of debt. And just, you know, what is it that you want to do with money or what's making you feel bad about money and, and write down everything you can think of in five minutes. And, and also, you know, if you can't think of it right now in the five minutes, then it's not important today. There might be things that come up and, and are important in the future, but we'll deal with those, those later. And so once they write down those lists, then I have them talk about what's on the list and then why it's on the list. Like, why did you put, you know, getting out of debt? Why did you put uh, saving up for a house? You know, why is that important to you? And so that gets the couple to, to listen to each other. Next thing I do is I have them to say, okay, take your list and rank your top five. Like everything that you put on there, what would you want to get done first? And then second and third, fourth and fifth. And then as a couple, Let's come together and make a top 10 list. So both of you get all five of your things on the list, but then we do have to pick what's going to be the most important. The good news is that most couples, there's something that they already want. Like they both want to have kids or they both want to save up for a house or there's going to be something that's usually number one and, it, and it's pretty easy. But then we get down into the later end of that list. And you mentioned it, John you know, what's a good goal and what's airy-fairy. And goals that are like, I want to give more to charity. Like, that's awesome, but the problem is we can't, there's no number to that. Like, how does that go into the budget? And so when we start to talk about these goals, I try to 
push the the couples to make them you know smart goals s m a r t uh, goals to have actual numbers and, and deadlines so that we can, because <laughs> then the next step is once we have those goals is to say, okay, how are we going to afford these? You know, we know how much they cost and we know what order you want to attack them. Then are there things that we can give up to then go after those goals? Or can we just afford the top three right now? Uh, and, and that gives us a, a starting point to start to strategize and figure out what our game plan is going forward. Yeah, I like that. How how often then does there need to be a um uh like I, I'm going to have to probably edit this out, Dan. But um, I was going to say, how often do folks need to revisit their goals? Life gets busy; it's easy to forget. So, is there a cadence of always, you know, reminding yourselves? Do you coach people to do that and to leave it somewhere in the house, or remind yourself once a month, or do you do it every time in your conversation? Like, how often? I wonder. Do do we need to be refocusing ourselves from our day to day actions on the bigger picture goals? Sure, and that's a good question. I try to push my couples to look at it monthly in the beginning. I think after a certain amount of time, you memorize the list, <laughs> so you know there may not be uh, a need to look at it all the time. But it's also you may need to change the priority list in the middle of the month. Um, you know, my wife and I, we live in Florida, and we got hit by a hurricane, and so that definitely changed our priorities about what we need to do to fix the house. My wife, uh, we were saving up to buy her uh, her next car, uh, and that's gone kind of by the wayside for now. Um, and so, you know, the, the goals will change over time. So it's to look at your goals monthly and to try to budget monthly. And, and when I say to budget, it, it, going back to what I said earlier, is that the only reason to budget is to make sure you have money going towards your goals and, and enough money and that you're you're on track from what you wanted. And that's about it. So you can track down to the penny all of these different things, but the only reason that information is good is to help you solve problems, to say, oh, well, we didn't put as much toward our emergency fund as we thought, what happened? And so all that other information that you've gathered and, and how you had your budget is to say, oh, there's this thing we forgot about, or oh, oh there's this Hulu subscription we don't really want anymore. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, it's things of that nature. Or, oh, look, we really actually do spend a lot on Starbucks. And so it's, it's information to help you make a decision. So then then yeah, then you come back to your goals is to say, well, once you um, save up for the down payment on that house, it's like, okay, well, that goal has been completed. So what's next on our list? Yeah, that's great. So I want to touch on a few things. Again, in your guide, you you talk about the 10 budgeting roadblocks, and I want to just pull apart one or two. And then I don't want to forget, I want to make sure to talk about uh, separation of duties and you know who does uh, what and when mm-hmm. they do that. So the one thing I wanted to pull out here from these budgeting roadblocks is uh, money goes in three ways, not just in and out. Tell me more about what you mean by that. Yeah, this is a, this is one of the best pieces of advice I can give people when it comes to budgeting or just keeping an eye on your money uh, is that money within a budget or accounts can do three things. It can come in, it can go out, and within our lives, it can transfer. It can go from one bank account to another. I've had multiple people tell me like, oh, I tried this budgeting app and you know, I was, I was spending money with my credit card and all the money was going out and the budget was fine. And then I paid my credit card bill and another giant chunk of money went out the door, and so everything double counted. <laughs> and so this is a, a detail thing when it comes to just using software or keeping an eye on your money is that 
uh, you want to, as you're swiping that card, you definitely want to track those as like spending. But then when the money to pay off the credit card happens, label it as a transfer. And when you do that, it doesn't affect your budget. It's not money coming in. It's not money going out. It just moves. Uh, and so that can solve a lot of headaches when it comes to keeping an eye on your money because we, we get stuck in these dichotomies where it's got to be one way or the other. But it, when it comes to finance, there's that third path as well. Yeah, that's great. Well, cool. Thanks for sharing that. And I actually have personally experienced having that double counting take place and then you scratch your head and then remember what's happening and then, you know, yeah. it takes some work to go back through it. So that that's a, that's a good, yeah, intricacy of part of the budgeting process on something like Mint or whatnot. But uh, talk to us a little bit with the time that we have left about how do we separate powers? Who does what? And some of the things that you've learned along the way there. Sure. So my rule of thumb is that the financial work can be split 90-10 as long as the decisions are 50-50. So I'm a nerd about this. I love doing it. I love keeping an eye on it. I'm a details guy. So thus, I do 90-95% of the work. But when the budget needs to change or we need to talk about something, you know, it's a 30-second, five-minute conversation and we my wife and I we decide together and then I go click all the buttons that I need to click to to make things work and I'm happy to do it because it's something that I enjoy I did coach so I was uh, uh, a financial coach on a morning radio show here and we did like a contest where I was going to uh, where I did <laughs> I um, coached these uh, one two families and one of the families, the the couple, the the wife was definitely like, yes, we want to do this. You know, we're going to budget and all this other stuff. And uh, she was gung ho about the idea, but she was not a details person. So even though she was in charge of the budget and getting things done, she didn't really get a lot done. And I would actually go to their apartment and, and hang out with them and help them and coach them. And I looked around and I saw the husband's desk and it was immaculate. And he and I could see that he was a, a he played World of Warcraft. And if you don't know what that is, it's a computer game that um, is very complicated and it's infinite and never ends. And so because of the comp, how complex it is, there are books uh, and you want to keep track of all of your stats and, and the missions and and all the things that you, the quests that you go on. And I could see his notebooks that were organized as well. And that's where I realized to say, okay, well, just because someone is gung-ho about doing the budgeting, they may not be the best person to actually click the buttons and be in charge of it. <laughs> so that's whenever, great. yeah, so whenever I talk to a couple about, you know, what, what we're going to do next, I, I ask them to say, well, who, who wants to be in charge of this? Uh, and, and, but also try to push them to, to make sure the right person is doing it. Uh, so that way, it gets done, uh, but also that they're playing to their strengths. And that's really the key to this that. whole conversation. I love that. And that makes me think of how much clarity there can be when a third party is present, because in the midst of the relationship and, uh, you know, with that couple that you're sharing, it, if the wife was more motivated, it's, it may be easy to somehow forget or not be able to see sort of something that's as obvious to you, which is if the husband's more detail oriented, maybe he needs to be the one in charge of the budget. And so that's such a great thing. and such a light bulb is to have one other pair of eyes on the situation to understand who's good as what. And yeah, absolutely. And, and it really comes down to those, those, those personalities because it's then, you know, of course, I don't want ever to fall into stereotypes where I'm, you know, talking to the husband the whole time. And then if it's a same sex couple, then, you know, those stereotypes fall apart 
extremely quickly. Right. Um, and, and so it's to look and talk to both of them to see, okay, who's kind of more of the detailed person who's gung ho about this. And, and I've had it the other way as well. I've coached one couple where again, uh, I had learned my lesson and the, the bride to be, they were still engaged. Um, the bride, uh, she was gung ho about doing this stuff, but it was clear that the groom was more detail oriented. So I had learned my lesson. I made sure they, uh, divvied up the responsibilities, uh, in a good fashion. And that worked out much better the, 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 the next time around. Yeah, that's great. Well, Dan, we've talked about a ton of information. I want to make sure people that are interested have ways to get in contact with you or to check out part of your ebook. So share with us what's the best way to reach you and any of your content. Yes, the best place right now is to go to YouTube. Uh, go to youtube.com and look for Adulting with Money and you can subscribe to my channel there and I'm putting out a video every Monday morning. Uh, and so that's the best place where you can just kind of keep an eye on what I'm doing. If you want to contact me, definitely go to my website and it's adultingwithmoney.com and I've got uh, a contact form. You can also email me, Dan at adultingwithmoney.com. And I'm on Facebook and, and Twitter and Instagram. Honestly, I'm not a big fan of Twitter, so I'm not on there much. You'll, you'll find me a lot easier on Instagram. Great. Oh, perfect. Well, Dan, I appreciate your expertise and sharing with us a little bit more information about your coaching business and specifically how to talk about uh, money with our spouses. So. Oh, yeah. And then the guide. We uh, So the link, if you want to download the guide, you can go to adultingwithmoney.com slash JC. So it stands for adultingwithmoney.com slash John Chapman. So That's if you perfect. go to slash JC, uh, you, you can download your free copy of the guide and that word for word script we've been talking about as well. I love it. Thanks, Dan. This is so wonderful. I appreciate your time and hope you have a great rest of the day. You too. Thank you, John. I appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to The John Chapman Show. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or Spotify. We encourage your questions, comments, and feedback. For additional information, check out thejohnchapmanshow.com or look for John on LinkedIn and Twitter. See you next week.